Have you ever wondered how to incorporate video into your practice, whether it's for online, educational, video is the king of the internet today. We all get our eyes zoned in while scrolling through our social feeds. We get locked into YouTube. And today we're talking to Dr. Joseph Allen, who is the host of the Dr. Eye Health Show. He has over 300,000 subscribers. He is an anomaly because that's not supposed to happen to an eye doctor on YouTube. He's supposed to have like a thousand. And he's going to teach us how to incorporate video into our practices. You do not need a $4,000 camera to do this. And he's going to walk us through each and every step. You know what's not always fun? Mondays. We got to go into work and do the whole routine and pound away at the keyboard responding to emails. But what is cool is I am launching what's called Perry's Eyewear Garden, which is happening every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern, where you can find frame deals of high-quality frames, mostly independent frames, some you've heard about, some you may have not heard about. And these frames are all about 30 to 60% off normal wholesale pricing. Now, most of these frames are overstock and some discontinued frames. This is your chance to get big margins on frame and make up for a lot of these vision plan write-ups that are just crushing us. I invite you to go to the link in my show notes. I have a 90-second video that explains what Perry's Eyewear Garden is and how you can access these deals online every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern. The trick is you have to go to the link in the bio to get more details where I'm going to give you exclusive access so watch that video. Link is in the bio. You're going to be in for quite the surprise. Welcome to Entrepreneur, the podcast for wizards of eyes. I'm Dr. Raymond Brill with my co-host, Perry Brill, and we're here to bring you stories about wizards of eyes. Yes, what is a wizard, Dr. Brill? Well, these are folks that you may have heard about, may not have heard about. These are people who are actually very successful in doing what they do in all aspects of eye care. We're not talking to self-proclaimed industry geniuses, experts, masters, or gurus because we're talking to wizards of eyes that make it happen each and every day. They are out there working every day in the labs, on the road, in the practices, in surgery suites, making lenses, making frames. Yes, we want to hear these back-of-the-house stories about innovation, entrepreneurship, and make you feel excited to do what you do. We want you to be energized about the whole eye care field. And this is not your big optical program. This is done out of the passion of our hearts. Please go ahead and subscribe to Entrepreneur, the podcast for Wizards of Eyes on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, or your favorite app. Also, visit Entrepreneur.com where you'll find our latest blogs and special video content. That's www.e-y-e-t-r-e-p-r-e-n-e-u-r.com. Welcome, Dr. Allen. 
Hey, Perry, thank you so much for being here. This is actually a huge honor for me. Uh, I've been watching you guys for like the last, I don't know, year or two ago, I think when you guys started and I've been kind of following along with you guys. So this is, again, this is a huge honor. Thank you. Mutual admiration society. <laughs> I like it. I like it. We almost need like a, a video club within iCare. All the people, all 10 people who actually do video consistently, we all need a, a hangout. Yeah, I think there is one kind of Facebook group, but it's not very active, but it's generally for not just eye care, but any sort of healthcare professional who is interested in, in YouTube specifically. But I think for, for in general, for eye care videopreneurs, I think that would be, that'd be kind of a cool thing. We should probably set that up. Right. That sounds good. So Dr. Allen, video has been big for entrepreneur in terms of quirky education, which is generally what we really do. I, I remember... I have a, a YouTube video called Old People Love Rimless Glasses, okay? I think I've had over 10,000 views on YouTube of it. And I'm like, how? why are consumers watching these, these videos? And actually, I give really good education about rimless eyewear. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I make no money from it. And I'll give you a one funny story. So this patient comes in to actually one of my client's uh, offices in Tennessee, and he said, yeah, I saw this video called Old People Love Rimless Glasses, and I'm here to buy Lindbergh eyewear. You know, Lindbergh's a iconic rimless brand. And the doctor was like, oh, my gosh, I know the person that did that video. Anyway, so I know it's powerful. So, Dr. Allen, give us a little your life story, where you went to school, and the journey into video. So I grew up here in Minnesota where I was born and raised here. And then I uh, went down to San Antonio, Texas to the Rosenberg School of Optometry. Graduated in 2015. Then I came back to Minnesota, did my residency at the Minneapolis VA, which was through ICO. And then afterward, I jumped into private practice at a couple of different practices, actually. I was, I was working like part-time at one clinic and a couple other part-time clinics, uh, just kind of driving around. And... At one point, I realized I loved teaching. I loved the education aspect of seeing with my patient, really talking to my patient, getting them that aha moment when they finally understood what was going on and causing their problems, their symptoms, and what they could do about it to make it better or the treatment and all that sort of that really what I loved. And I started kind of just thinking, how could I do this? And I almost went into public education. I almost went back and got a master's in public education. I was considering that. And I even was about to just do free lectures to the public at our clinic. And then my wife was like, you don't need an extra degree to do public education. Can't you just go online and and post this stuff? And there was a lot of other motivations, but that was one of the thoughts and kind of going back. I'm like, oh, that was a time that, that kind of did push me in this direction. And then eventually I found, hey, YouTube is a great place to post videos and you can learn just about anything on YouTube. I, I learned how to fix my lawnmower and my washing machine, but there wasn't very much on eye care at the time when I first started. So I was like, if anyone's going to do this, it might as well be me. And then I kind of just put all the pieces together over time. Yeah. Now, Dr. Brill had a early introduction to video. He bought a software called iMaginations, I don't know, two decades ago, maybe. Yeah. And and at that time, they had good animations for what is a cataract, what is dry eye. I'll let you speak on that. But then it really took a turn when we realized people are just staring at their phones instead of watching the videos. Yeah, they were very dour. They were, you know, I said, I think you need to make it lighthearted, lighthearted music, a lighthearted presentation, the music on there and everything was very dour. And they never listened to me on that. And so I 
I eventually migrated away from that because it just wasn't good. So I, I'm not sure if they're still doing it. I think they probably still are. But animations, it's hard to get people even to look at anything. If you could say, give me your phone, I'll let you watch this for three minutes. That would be much better. Okay, so you started doing video, obviously, and it really turned into a full-time job, which I think a lot of people don't understand how YouTube could be a full-time job. Sometimes we associate YouTube with maybe some hip-hop music videos. We associate it with children's learning content that you hand your kid an iPad so they be quiet. When did you get into video? Was it like a hobby in high school or anything before that? No, I purely got into it because I wanted to make a YouTube channel about eye care. <laughs> I didn't know anything about cameras, didn't know anything about microphones, didn't know anything about editing, anything, or even how YouTube worked. I didn't, I didn't know that. But I had enough motivation to be like, if I'm going to do this, and I had told a few people that I was going to start a YouTube channel on eye care, and I'm one of those people that I like to keep my word. And so I'm like, no, I'm going to do this. But if I'm going to do it, I'm going to be representing my profession. I'm going to be an ambassador for our profession. And I need to have some level of understanding of professionalism. <laughs> I want to give off. I didn't want it just to look like a, you know, a baked potato, old camera phone from 10 years ago. I didn't, I wanted it to come off somewhat professional. So I did a lot of research just, hey, how do you use a camera? What camera should I invest in? How do you make your sound sound better? And I didn't start perfect. Uh, if you go back to the first videos, the first probably six months of video, the sound wasn't very good. The video wasn't the best. It was good enough, but it, it wasn't anywhere we're at now. But I have friends who've commented on that. They're like, wow, I watched one of your old videos and I watched where you're at now. And it's like, it's like a night or day difference. And so it's definitely been a journey learning the technology but yeah, I got into it right at the probably the beginning of 2018 when I started. Okay. What was your first video topic? That was on sunglasses. It was something easy. I'm just like, okay, here's something I have access to. I have a lot of sunglasses in the clinic. I personally love sunglasses. And we talk about it all the time with our patients, right? How they should be having sunglasses for like UV light protection. And so I just wrote out a video and practiced it a lot because <laughs> I was not used to talking on camera, not used to just speaking out loud or trying to be more concise. It's certainly, it's a kind of a funny video to go back and watch, but I put a lot of, you can tell I put a lot of effort into it. It's not perfect, but that's where I started. Are you reading scripts now or do you just do it live? No, I outline my videos. There's a few times when it's a very tough topic. I do somewhat script it but it's more like individual lines. I'll like script one sentence, but the rest of it is just outlined. So I have like a bullet point okay. and then another bullet point. And then, and then I try to look at the camera and really think about who I'm talking to. That way people can feel the emotion like they're sitting in front of me just having a conversation. Right, yeah, when we film our videos, same bullet point outline, we like to do things off the cuff and, you know, we're okay having a few cuts and a few edits, but most of the time you can become pretty concise and good at what you talk about. And what I notice in video, you only talk about what you know. I don't know about astrophysics, so I don't talk about that. And I think the same thing probably goes with you. Yeah, there's a big part of just being authentic and honest. I have people all over the world who ask me questions now because they find me on YouTube. And I'll be honest, I'm like, I don't know that answer. I'd love to research it and get back to you, but I, I just don't know it. 
or I try to be open about the science. I don't make a broad claim. I try to be like, so like blue light, I really go in to be like, the studies really aren't there right now. <laughs> you know, I just am open about it. Or, or the studies are very mixed on this topic. So there's research being done. Hopefully we'll find out soon. But, you know, don't believe in all the marketing stuff you hear from 10,000 different brands that are coming out with blue light glasses every day. There's a lot out there, but thank you. All right, so I want to go through, just for the listeners, we're going to talk about Joey's success on YouTube and what that's personally brought him. And then we're going to talk about how to actually implement it in your practice, because that's really why we're here is getting us into the 21st century. Instagram is cute. Facebook is cute, but cute doesn't pay the bills. So we want to make sure that you're putting your practice out there and really representing your brand because it's all about brand. So what point did you know I'm onto something? Was it 5,000 subscribers or 3,000? Like when did you have like a ticking point? You're like, this is actually something that could be a a full-time gig. Honestly, probably about a month into just researching YouTube. So again, before I even started making my first video, I studied YouTube for about six months. Again, learning how cameras work, sound, microphone, editing, as well as just understanding the world of YouTube. What are resources for learning? Is there like books? Is there little workshops, master classes? There are all those things. I started with just looking on YouTube and watching, finding there's a, it's a little scary because there's a lot of crazy guru people in any subject. And some people out there are really out there just to scam you. (laughs) And so you have to kind of watch that. I salt and peppered it from all these different videos and kind of found the common denominator of like the truth behind it. And then, and really started kind of mapping things out. And so early on, I even went to my, the clinic where I was at and said, no, because they wanted to buy the video equipment for me. They wanted to basically have me just do this for them. And I said, no, I'm doing this on my own. And so we even had like a legal agreement written up because I, I, at least I saw the potential of what it could be. I wasn't hundred percent certain that it was going to end up that way, but I, I at least had a, a hunch that there's the possibility. And so when I first posted a couple of videos, I had kind of a breakdown because it was just going nowhere. The first month, I had 16 subscribers. There were all my friends and a few family members, nobody watching my videos, <laughs> nobody. But I figured, you know what? I enjoy this and I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to do you know, maybe one or two videos a month. And I'm just going to keep doing it because I'm going to build up this library, this library of educational videos that can last forever. I mean, has the science of astigmatism changed? <laughs> has it has the science of like contact lenses really changed? I was building this library that I could share with my patients. If any patient had a question about cataracts that I just didn't have the time to explain to them in the office, I could be like, you know what? I have a video where I go really in depth on cataracts and I think you'd be the perfect person for it. And so I had like a business card written up and I could write down the title of the video, had like a QR code on there so they could just scan it and go right to YouTube to watch it. And I could just hand it to them. They would be able to watch it. And then they would share it. And about three and a half months into the YouTube endeavor, I started growing like, whoa, I hit over 100 subscribers. Oh, I hit over 200. And within a few months, I was already hitting like one to 2,000. And then I'm just like, I really have to invest in this. This is actually paying off. So I'm still doing it. I think you're right. It's really long-term you, you know, you look at the one video and then you got 10 or whether it's podcasts, whether it's Instagram posts, 
you just got it's consistency. Mm-hmm. Also, one thing I really noticed with video is the video quality, as far as the look and feel of it, doesn't have to be excellent, but your audio does need to be good. If people can hear you, they're willing to listen. And additionally, when I listen to YouTube a lot, I put my phone down. I don't want to watch the video. I just want to listen to you. Mm -hmm. So technically, I could watch a lot of your videos, Dr. Allen, and just not watch it. I could just listen. And I would probably get about, what, 80% of the content? Yeah, basically. (laughs) A lot of people will watch, they'll listen to podcasts on YouTube, or they'll listen to full lectures. Like you can find medical lectures and just listen to them on YouTube in your car while you're driving on your commute. It's pretty cool. So you're absolutely right, though. You can have bad video quality or just mediocre video quality, but if the sound is bad, people will leave right away. So really having good audio is is very is very key. Or clicking against their necklace. You know? <laughs> Something, We're, some sort of noise in the background. Dentures clicking. Yeah, that's very annoying. <laughs> there used to be a speaker who was really pretty noted, Harriet Stein, and I'm not sure if she's around anymore, but she was one of the early ones that would teach practitioners like how to answer the phone or customer service at the front desk. And I think she used like a bank teller setup to do that. And she was very good and it was very novel, except there was a clicking sound, continuous clicking. And I never knew if it was her necklace or her dentures. It would be click, 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 click. And after a while, all you can hear is the clicking. Yeah, your brain really zones in on that. It's like when you pay attention to people saying um all the time or, or but um or something. Dr. Allen, you've had uh, hundreds of thousands. How many views have you had on your channel? Oh, I don't even know right now. I'd have to look it up. <laughs> it's right now I'm growing. Uh, I get about one and a half million views a month at least. Wow. Okay. So you have a lot of eyeballs. And one thing I know, if you have comments and people are interacting with your post, it means you have good engagement. I think a, a big reason people you know, enjoy the entrepreneur media Facebook group it's just due to engagement. It's not about how many people are in a group or how many views a YouTube video has. It's really about, are you getting commenting? Are people actually interested? So what are common things people are interacting with you online about? Oh, well, anything and everything. Thankfully, you know, I do have some haters, but not that many. I do have, just a lot of, there's a lot of haters. Uh, trolls are, are real. Saying? They're throwing shade or what? <laughs> yeah, right when I started, I got a lot of a lot of flack from people saying that I wasn't a real doctor. Oh. Uh, you know, I had a lot of that. I got a lot of people saying that I either look too young or they'll comment they'll comment on your hair. People w- are just looking to cause a ruckus. Is it the same people that are trolls on the rest of the sites? Oh yeah, I there's mean, like there's five, just there's like a half a dozen, and I won't say it because they're on our sites too. But yeah, they comment on everything. And a lot of times it's a negative, now it's a negative political commentary because mm-hmm. you can barely say anything about somebody thinking that it has to do with race or some other aspect and yep. you're talking normal language. One of the best ones was I did a video on, so it was on Plaquenil. So I released this video and it's, it's an education on Plaquenil, on Plaquenil toxicity. It's a real thing. But when I launched this video, it was around the same time that Plaquenil was kind of coming out as a possible treatment for COVID. Yeah. Well, people watched this video and they just got so angry. They clearly didn't even watch the video. 
video. Most of the comments, you can tell that they did not watch the video because they did not, they're immediately talking about how I was this awful doctor who didn't know what he was talking about and that I was fear mongering. And I'm like, not once in the video did I talk about COVID. Not once did I talk about anything like that. It's about long-term use like, and how it affects the eyes. Like, and so anyway, so yeah, you get a lot of, you get some comments like that, but thankfully the vast majority of comments I get are from people who are very appreciative of the knowledge that I'm giving out. They're very thankful for just the cool stuff they're learning, how I've helped them either with their eye strain, their eye fatigue, understanding their contacts, finding contacts, learning how to what to do if their contact lens is like rolled behind their eye, simple yeah. things like that. Especially when it comes to dry eye, it seems like the community I've built that watch the dry eye content, they are very motivated and they are, I've had patients now because they find me online, they find these videos and they, they specifically come seek me out to have an exam by me, to have like Lipaflow or Ilux or something done in the office by me. It's pretty incredible. But Dr. Brill was just on the dry eye show. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the dry eye show from the dry eye support community Facebook group. Correct. Yeah, they're awesome. I think you had people reach out after you were on video, right, Dr. Brill? Yes. And they reach out and they say, I live in Wisconsin and when can I come in? Or I live in St. Louis or we commonly have people come from other states and they're they're willing to drive from the surrounding four states. Uh, but generally, those are the people that have had been to five or six, seven other doctors and they're not, they're not getting answers. And you look like a human to them and that you'll actually talk to them instead of walk in and say, yep, you need to be on uh, Restasis, baby shampoo and a hot washcloth, you know, which is a, like a 1980s regimen. And then they leave, they walk out the door. So it's interesting. And I've yet to see someone that's coming from Wisconsin, but a lot of times people call, we respond. They never, they never pick up the phone. They never answer back an email. I mean, they, they somehow get shy on that or they say, don't call me. And they're like, okay, well, what do you want us to do? So, and it's nice to be able to provide information. I'm happy to spend time, even if they're not kind of come to me just so that their lives can improve. And in, I would say an altruistic manner, because I, I know all those efforts come back to you. You know, they do come back to you. So that's a, that's a big part of it. But you're right. I think like I talked to the celebrity now, I still don't want to spend the money or I don't, I don't know if that's for me or they just want to know they're not going to go blind from the dry eye. So, so Dr. Brill and I got into probably our first video that we shot for Brill Eye Center was through Yelp. Actually, Yelp had a program where, I don't know, you bought some advertising package. They paired with a company called SmartShoot. And SmartShoot basically had a network of freelance video people in any major city. They would send somebody out. This guy was good. He set it up. I think in what, one, one to two hours of shooting, he had a great video, didn't he, Dr. Brill? Yeah. And this was probably eight years ago, six, seven years ago. For that time, it was like, wow, this is great. We learned that you can spend all the money you want with Yelp. It's still... They're still going to put all your five-star reviews in the not recommended category, and they'll keep your one-star reviews from five or six years ago that said something about their insurance and nothing to do with you. They'll be up there all the time. So you can't buy your way out of, out of Yelp. I think a lot of people discovered that way before I did. So We don't advertise on Yelp anymore. It's been a long time. Yellow Pages had something similar too. And then additionally, we just had some videos shot last year where we did some funny dry eye videos. 
And we'll put links to those in the show notes so everybody can watch those. We wanted to use humor when we're advertising our dry eye services. So that was very important for us. And then we did a a brand video. But where I kind of want to go, Dr. Allen, is what are maybe two of the three things that we should shoot video in a practice for? Is it a brand video, two minutes long? Are we supposed to be doing 15-second clips on Instagram? Like, where are we at? So there are, of course, many different strategies, I think, that can be used, especially in clinics. So first off, I would say, one, I wouldn't go into the YouTube game or into the video game to become a star or to grow the channel, to grow money on its own. It can. If you make good content, it can grow and potentially be another income stream for your you and your clinic. But I think really focusing on utilizing the videos as a long-term kind of asset. It's an investment long-term. It's something that you can make and share over and over and over and over again, whether it lives organically on something like YouTube, or if it's something that you are using to run as an ad across Facebook, Instagram, whatnot, or even YouTube itself for years and years and years to come. I think that's really where the utility in making a video comes in. Like, yeah, you could make a, what is it, a 15 to one minute Instagram reel or a TikTok or something like that. It's not, unfortunately, it's not going to last forever. (laughs) It probably is not. I know, I think TikToks eventually get deleted. With YouTube, the videos, since YouTube was created, it's like, I don't know, it's like 17 years old now or something like that. There's still videos out from when it first, when it first was uploaded. So my video, you know, like right now I would say like my videos, even though they're a few years old, Fast forward 10 years, those videos are still going to be there. So my face has been duplicated telling people about astigmatism and you get thousands and thousands of people watching it every day. What if you could do that for your clinic, whether it be for an advertisement or just in your community, people finding, oh, this is the doctor. This doctor knows what they're talking about in terms of dry eye. This doctor is the person you want to go to. And so you really build up a reputation over time. So let me ask you, are they... Some people say, well, I could tell it wasn't really been professionally produced. They just did it on their phone. Are those more believable to the public where you could tell that you just did it informally? Or does it seem too slick if you really have a videographer and a sound person and the lighting is perfect? I just never know what the public thinks about that. Do you have some insight into that? You're definitely on to something there, Dr. Brill. So yes, it can come off too corporate. Like, you, you know that feeling if you've seen a commercial on TV and it's obviously been produced by a giant corporation, they have to like go within these rules and lines and it just comes off impersonal. There's no just breaking it down to common words. You can shoot very professional video and there is a little bit of an authority statement when it comes off very professional and clean looking. But at the same time, coming off authentic and raw, shaky camera, you're just shooting it handheld from your phone and you're just being like, hey, this just happened in our clinic. This is something I just really think is a, I want you guys to know about. Yeah, that's what I thought I would, I initial plan was, you know, every day, like interesting case of the day or something, you know, I yeah. mean, most optometrists haven't seen an acute retinal necrosis patient. I mean, I would say most ophthalmologists have not seen incidents of about one in two million. Okay. And it's pretty rare. I mean, you do not want to have one of those patients, but it would be kind of fun to say, Hey, here's my one acute retinal necrosis patient. And this is what happened. 
you know, I'm just out in the hall. She's in here. I'm going to go ask some questions, kind of like investigative reporting, you know, where they have the <laughs> behind the, scenes, the yeah. bag or something like that. And I thought that would be interesting. But then if you talk to the videographers, they always say, no, you got to have it really super professional. And otherwise, you'll have less credibility. So, But the videographers likely don't work in the realm of social media. Yeah. So oh, they're I- used to making highly produced content for businesses, right. for corporations. People, again, can see, you can smell the corporate lingo and you can smell that. With something that's very raw and even produced yourself on social media, that's what people really thrive on, especially if most of your content is very consistent and very professional. And then all of a sudden you have something that's more live and raw. You will see, and this works on Instagram as well, but you will see a huge spike in engagement and view time and followers and all of that. So uh, a buddy of mine, Aaron Golani, I don't know if you know him out in Jacksonville, he's a prominent ophthalmologist and he prides himself on really fixing up all those LASIK, RK, nightmare patients. And and he's got, these are these patients that traveled here from from all over the world. And then on Friday, it's like leaving Friday and he does a little interview. I mean, they all get cut off because it's on Instagram, but he's kind of a flamboyant guy. You know, he designs his own clothes and everything. And and he's a great guy, but I don't know, does that come off really good to the patients or is it just egotistical? I think it could be read either way. The big issue is one, no one's really searching, probably searching for you. They're searching for help for what you can provide for them. For the topic. And once you have fans and followers, then they'll be interested in knowing more about you as a person. But no one right now is really searching for Joseph Allen on YouTube. No one's looking for Joey Allen. No one cares about, I mean, they think it's cute if my cat jumps in. They slowly learn that I'm a Trekkie. I have like a Star Trek poster behind me here, a painting that I did a few years ago. They slowly like learning these things about me, but no one's, I haven't made a video purely just about me because I don't think anyone really cares. (laughs) I mean, maybe some people do. I've, again, maybe a few stalkers, but that's a big thing. Once in a while, I think every content creator has their percentage. It's like, you know, 90% focused on whatever your mission is, and then 10% personal. Some people are 70, 30. It depends on how you want to run things. You SEO them or not the videos? A lot of what I do is based on SEO. Absolutely. Okay. So that's when you read, when I write 3000 word blogs, I realize it's not really for the consumer. It's really for the bots and for somehow for it to give me extra credit because I wrote a long form video or long form blog. So it depends. Obviously, if you write, if you write a really good blog that is this chop full of SEO, but it doesn't speak to the person who's actually reading it, they're not going to spend time there. They're not going to get anything from it. They're not going to share it. They're not going to really care. They're not even going to get value from it. And so it's not going to work its way to the top of the search engine results. Same thing with video. So I can do a video on a, on a great topic, but if the video, if the people who are watching the video do not find it entertaining, they do not get the content from it, it's not going to go very high. That's like the clickbait thing. If, if you say, hey, I'm going to tell you all about cataracts, and they click on it, but it takes them to a cat video, they're not going to watch it. <laughs> they're going to leave right away. And YouTube watches that. I see. And so then the video won't ever show up in the SEO. Yeah. I really There's a lot agree to with you that it's not about you. You know, the optician might think they're the greatest of all time. The doctor might think they're the best scleral lens fitter, but 
people are looking for technology. They're looking for features. They want to see the product, how it looks, close up, tight shots. And that's what's interesting. If you're going to tell me about, a, let's say the brand IC Berlin, where we're re reviewing the, the great frame line with the, the hinge that has no screws, there's no solder points. I need to see that hinge like really close up. I want to see you try to destroy the hinge because you can't. And I think that's what people are looking for. I want to move into who should be filming the video in the office because I see two dynamics. One, the doctor will say, I don't have time. That's not my expertise. I, I'm in the lane mm -hmm. 40 hours a week. And then they throw it down to the staff to produce the content. But I think it's kind of a teamwork thing. So how do we execute it, actually? I mean, we can talk about it for two more hours, but how is it going to get done? Yeah. So one, you can do the hard way and do it like I did, <laughs> which is basically learn how to use a camera, how to set it up, and you do it all yourself after your 40-hour work week. You can do it that way. Or I think if you have your own clinic, take any one of your youngest staff members. Usually they know social media really well and they know how to use a phone. Most smartphones, like if you have one of the new iPhone 12s or 11s, the cameras in them are fantastic and they shoot 4K if you wanna go that high, but that's better than even investing in a lot of the DSL cameras out there. So it's just a matter of being like, hey, would you help me just hold this camera and follow me as we go from this office to the exam room? And I'm just gonna talk about what it's like to come into our clinic to have a refraction or you can even get a tripod and just hold it up hit the record button just make sure it's centered on your face and you got the background doesn't look dirty and then there you go you can start recording and even just practicing you don't even need you can say no i'm just going to practice this see what it looks like what it feels like you can just record your normal thing that you would tell some patient who's just diagnosed with astigmatism can you tell us about the entertainment side of video i always tell people especially when we do webinars once a month, here's your energy level. Now max that out five times because the camera is going to suck it out of you. Yes. You're absolutely right about that, Perry. Obviously you've done this before. Imagine most people have heard that a camera ad adds 10 pounds. Have you ever heard of that one? Mm -hmm. The reality is the camera sucks about 10 to 15 times your energy. So I do try to psych myself up a little bit to at least be excited and to speak with some enthusiasm it's been a skill <laughs> and some days you just don't feel it. And sometimes that comes across good. Some people's style is to be more mellow and some people will gravitate toward that. But I myself try to be enthusiastic about our profession and what I'm talking about. And I'm excited to help people learn about eye care. So it makes it a little bit easier for me just to be like, hey, we're talking about polarization and sunglasses today and just get going. But it is important to, to usually I like to shoot videos in the morning because I have more energy rather than the end of the day. Yeah, usually Perry would be at the end of the day. It's eight o'clock now at night. We're gonna shoot three videos now. <laughs> We're gonna do a quick advertisement here. And this is going to go over one of my passions in life. And that is cutting cost of goods in private optometry practices. Many times, well, most times, doctors and opticians spend way too much money on lab bills. We associate the higher cost of a progressive lens with better quality of lens, and that's just so not true. Many of these big brands have tricked us with discounts, with buying groups and alliance groups. They say, hey, you join this alliance group and we'll give you 40% off the list price 
which is just complete bogus. They have marked their prices up on their lab bills only to give you a discount. If you are looking for transparency in lab pricing, good quality lenses at a fair price, I would love to teach you about that. I have placed a link in the show notes of this podcast where you can fill out a form and I will hook you up with an independent lab that will be fair to you, give you great lenses, fast shipping times, and fair prices, and also educate your staff. You do not need the biggest brand lenses and the biggest labs to succeed. Make sure you're doing what's best for your practice and what's best for your patients and cut your cost of goods and make a better profit. Go to the show notes, click that link to fill out the form about lab pricing and I'll hook you up with a lab that is awesome for you. What about video views? I know sometimes I put out videos and I'm sure you have and you're like, man, I only got 100 views or 50 (laughs) views. And you feel like such a disappointment because we're in this age of, how do I put it? Instant gratification. And I think a lot of social media advisors talk about this with younger kids is that when they don't get 300 likes on their post of them on vacation within five minutes, they're like, they're deleting their posts. They think they're a disgrace. Mm. What should be reasonable expectations for views, you think? Well, who are you doing it for? Like, are you making the video for yourself or are you making it to help somebody else? If you're making it to help somebody else, who cares about how many views you get? Even if one person watches that, they learn about their dry eye or they they learn about how important it is, they're having new PVD, they need to go see their doctor and actually get it checked out. Like, I think that's worth it. And that's kind of been my mindset since I started all of this. Well, you always want to consider your audience. I mean, if you're doing a talk to anyone, you need to know about the audience. Yeah. Now, what, you ever think like, I covered everything. I don't want to be that repetitive about it. I don't even remember all the videos that we've done. So I have to go back. Did we do a video on this? So how do you keep it fresh? And you think, oh, yeah, my video number 44, it was the same thing. You can always do things from different angles. And always keep in mind that there's new people jumping in. And some people like to rehear things. How many patients have you told a dozen times you need to be doing your warm compresses twice a day? And they just don't do it. (laughs) You know, like... So I do have some videos, you know, a lot of my dry eye stuff, I keep saying the same, some of the same things, but it's just, you have to find different angles to come at the same topic. But there's so much in eye care that I have not covered. I don't know if I'll ever run out of information to talk about. How many have you made now? I don't recall off the top of my head, but I know I'm over a hundred, maybe 130, 140, maybe. Okay. I thought it'd be like a thousand. (laughs) Feels like it. What's your average video length? So... When I first started, the videos were usually hovering around nine, 10 minutes, pretty consistently. And then I've done some videos that go as low as like four, usually between four and 10. But I have some that go 15. I've had some that go 20. And then I have some live streams I've done that go up to like an hour. Tell us about the live stream. So I've done a few live streams. I haven't done them in the, probably in the last year, but it's amazing because you can do a live stream. You just basically, it's like doing a CE presentation get some photos, you get some good demonstrations, you can go live. And what's great about live is that anybody who's searching for like SEO wise, as long as you map it out correctly and you know how YouTube works, people who are searching, let's say keratoconus. So I did a video, a live stream on keratoconus. Anybody who's searching keratoconus at that exact time 
my video is recommended number one because it's live. YouTube loves live. So people would find me there. But because I had so much watch time, and that's really what everyone thinks views. Views are important, but watch time is even more important to YouTube. And so I had a lot of watch time in that video. So now if you type in Keratoconus on YouTube, there's a good chance you'll see that video. It was a live stream in the top three or four selections. So people continuously find me around the world just trying to understand what in the world carrot, their doctor was telling them when they said the word keratoconus. Could you sometimes chair side with a patient, say, you know what, I'm gonna give you a general overview. I'm gonna play my video I did here and then you can leave the room and see a check or something like that. So that's the beauty of how having these videos, this library of evergreen videos can really become helpful in a clinic. So. I myself, the way our clinic has run in the past, we didn't have time to just be like, I got to go see someone else. I'm going to be watching this. I would usually give them my normal little talk, but I would tell them, hey, I have a lot of extra information that goes really in depth in this. And I can already tell that that patient is going to be very curious about it. I tell them, I can already tell you, you're going to get a lot out of this. So then again, I have a little card that I hand them and they'll, it'll have the name written on it. They can go research or a QR code takes them to that video. And they can watch it on their own free time. And it really reinforces everything that I already said and showed them in the clinic. And then they can show it to their family. And next thing you know, three weeks later, they're back for a lip of flow. <laughs> you know, uh, with them though. I mean, a lot of times we don't we make a great presentation, yeah. but we don't follow up with them. Mm-hmm. They're not ready to close. And if somebody just called them and say, look, let's get you on the schedule because I, I don't want you to suffer any longer. So how do you handle that after presentation follow-up, let's say for patients? Yeah. Do you call them or you have someone else call them? So the best way I've done it is if it was somebody that I'm invested in, like, hey, no, like I'm worried about this patient. Like you're already, like I had one patient who had probably you know, a grade two meibomian gland dysfunction. And she was just, she just wanted to do warm compresses twice a day. We had her back three months later, did her Lipiscan, Lipaview again. And sure enough, one of her glands had completely atrophied in just three months. Wow. Yeah. And she still wasn't sold on it. I'm like, okay, well, I really want you to watch these videos here just because I'm concerned. Yeah. And then about two weeks later, I mean, I write their name down. My patients really focused on, I think will benefit. And then I gave her a call back two weeks later, just to check on her, see how she's doing. Cause she was starting like her stasis or something. And she was really appreciative of me calling her. They love that. And then she commented, yeah, I watched those videos. And then sure enough, we got her scheduled for like a, an ILUX, I think is what we did. I think there's a lot of authority when you're the person actually on video, you know, if, if Dr. Brill puts up a Dr. I health video in the exam room, it's good. They're going to get the right education for sure, but it's a stranger. I think they're going to trust Dr. Brill on the video rather than you. That's how I see it. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's third party endorsement. So, True. You know, somebody <laughs> else saying because I'll say certain things and maybe they're just not, they're not ready yet. But when they hear it from someone else, they'll say, wow, you said exactly the same thing. Yeah. There is some strength in both directions. Absolutely. We're not making this stuff up. <laughs> this is this is a real thing. <laughs> and that's part of my hope is that with all of my endeavors, making this video, making this education, that doctors will see a, a I'm hoping the tide will rise for all of us, that yeah. people... 
people will be like, oh, my doctor's talking about this and they'll look it up and they'll be like, oh my gosh, no, this is a real thing. Maybe I should go do this. And then they do. Or Yeah, I usually, after I'm done with my dry workup, we'll play the lame Lipiflow animation, okay, which is kind of dour. And then the way it's supposed to work is they'll play maybe one, one patient testimonial. And I've got somebody that came up from Panama and just specifically do dry eye workup. And she was very her cute accent and very emphatic. So I don't know if that helps or not, but I think people can relate to, especially like testimonials. So you're almost like a testimonial as an educator. Mm-hmm. We have testimonials on our YouTube page. I think a lot of them have thousands of views just for treating dry eye. One of them is a mom and her complaint was she had a newborn and she wants to wear her contact lenses. So she's not you know, in the middle of the night, she can just wake up. She doesn't have to do anything. And that was one of her, her struggles. And she said it right on video. Dr. Brill got me back in the contacts. It changed my life, my re- relationship with my child. I mean, and the truth is you can use that video. And the, the best thing is that you got that on video and you can use that video over and over and over and over. Whether that be directly in your clinic, you could just have that playing randomly in your education video that you play out in your waiting room or it could be on the screen you know if you have a tech workup a patient and it's going to be a 10 15 minute wait before you even get in i i programmed our vision chart to play videos and you could even play your videos you could basically have it just like hey we're going to talk about any sort of disease aspect we're going to talk about what cataracts really are and then show pictures of what cataracts are and you were explaining that to them and you could randomly have a thing in there about a certain service or product that you have. And there's a lot of different ways you can start applying video to your clinic. What type of disclosures do we need or signatures do you recommend from patients? Because um, Mm. you need it, right? Yeah. So thankfully, the best part early on is to get a written just disclosure of the use for images of their of their eye, essentially, of their face. The few people in my videos have always been either technicians or employees. I have never re- used a patient's eye, except for maybe an image of their their cataract, which we had taken for medical purposes anyway. And then we have them sign a photo release. You have them. I know some people actually do it in their information sheet, new patient information sheet. I- I like to have a specific media release form, yeah. you know, Perfect. And, but is that sneaky if it's in their new patient, patient information sheet? Okay. So I'm not a lawyer, <laughs> so I'm not, I can't, I can't say this is legal advice, but I personally don't think it's an issue because if you're going to be giving CE or whatnot, and you're yeah. going to be using these pictures, you should be having this anyway. I just say, Hey, this is all for education and it is. And so Uh, whether I'm teaching other doctors or the general public. And I just let them know you'll never have your personal identifying information out there. And if I am going to show someone's face, then definitely make sure they know that what you're going to be using it for. Yeah, I take photos of before IPL and then before each session. And just so they can see it or I can look back because they'll they may say, I don't know if it's done any good. And on the speed survey, you know, they were at 22 now. You know, you're at your third visit and you're at a two. Yeah, I'm not sure if anything you did really did anything. I think like, let's look at your photos, okay? And let's look at, you were 22 out of 28 on the speed, and now you're a two. And are you still getting up at night and have to put drops in? Oh, no, I don't do that anymore. You know what I mean? So sometimes I kind of call this like the absence of a mosquito bite. 
So if you have a mosquito bite, you're so aware of it and you itch, 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 but we never wake up and say, I don't have a mosquito bite. And the same thing with dry eye. People never get up and say, you know, I have the absence of dry eye today. I feel good. So I think you need both written and photographic evidence. And unfortunately for my biography, either my biography looks the same afterward and we don't have the answers on that. I think we need mybographic OCT or something, but it is nice for video to see how people really look. I mean, we do that once in a while on optical, like a before and after on it. And it's amazing how just the glasses can change somebody's total demeanor and appearance. So. Moving on to the technical part of a video, it's very daunting when we talk about editing software. People think like, man, I'm going to have to buy a new computer and then I need Adobe and that's a, a subscription monthly. What's an easy place to start? So thankfully, both Windows and certainly any sort of Apple computer, they have some free movie editing software. And that is the most basic and really I mean, if unless you're doing fancy, you're trying to do fancy cuts and trying to make things look like you're warping to another dimension or something, you, you really don't need anything that fancy. I do use Adobe Premiere, which is expensive, but it has the steepest learning curve. And in case you don't have an interest or, or if spending six to eight hours on your Sunday editing a video, <laughs> I don't, I wouldn't recommend it. But I know a lot of people, they just will hire other people to edit their stuff for them, right? You can either go on, Fiverr, Upwork, all these different places, and you can pay someone 50 to to $100, and they'll edit your video for you, and they'll send it back to you. I still edit a lot of my videos, but I am now using an editing service called VidChops, which most of these places, uh, these services are based out of the Philippines. So it costs me like anywhere from three to $600 a month, and they'll edit up to eight to 12 videos a month for me. It only takes about two days to turn around. So VidChops. I edit... Many of my videos, some I've outsourced to Fiverr before, but sometimes it's hard to find a good relationship mm -hmm. and the time zone differences can be tough. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I feel that even with VidChops. So I want to go to bed at midnight and then they're like, well, we want to start working and ask you questions, you know? Yeah. So there's a little bit of back and forth, but right now, at least with, I've used Video Husky before. It's very similar to VidChops. But at least with VidChops, when you pay at a higher level, uh, they have different tiers based on how many videos you want done. I pay a higher level, and so they give me a dedicated editor. So I only work with one person. And so you work with them over... The first month was kind of tough because I had to kind of talk back with them all the time to, to fine-tune like, hey, I want this to be a little different. I want this to be a little different. And I'm still working with them, but it's gotten a lot better and makes it a lot easier over time. How about all the additions to graphics to, the, to your videos? Do you do that or... You just tell them I want like a cartoon bubble or something. Yeah, I either do that. I've done that. I learned how to do a lot of the special cool things. And, you know, you can just get to get around it. It's, it's a learning thing if you want to do editing yourself. I'm not that amazing, but I know enough to just to get by. With someone like those different services, yeah, you do need to give them very detailed like, hey, at this time, I was envisioning to have a little bubble pop up with a bubble noise, a little bubble bubble burst noise and on across the screen i want to say this so you just have to be very detailed of what you what you want in your video yeah i think there's services like a uh, frame dot i think it's io or uh, even dropbox has comment you can comment on the video at a specific timestamp, so you can communicate with your video editor like super easy 
So that's how uh, at least VidShops does it. They use Dropbox. Yeah. All right, Pierre, I think we covered this pretty well here. Yeah. There should be about two people at least to watch this. <laughs> the two stalkers for Dr. Allen. But. <laughs> I think the big thing that I would try to stress for anybody who's willing, who's thinking, hey, how can I make advertisements for my clinic long-term? How can I really establish your clinic as like the niche go-to place, as the authority in your community, as the eye care professional, the eye clinic, making videos, even if it's one video a month, if you make one video a month for one year, you have 12 videos that you can consistently just pump out, either publicly leave them on YouTube, or if you want to start using those same videos as advertisements across different websites, that's pretty simple to do. Even if you're just editing it yourself, you'd be amazed at how far that'll take you and how many people will find you over that. Then if you do apply your knowledge of SEO to those videos, it can be even more powerful because Google owns YouTube. And if you type in the SEO correctly, then you could rank that video on the search page on Google. So people in your community, your video will be promoted above everybody, every other eye doctor or eye clinic in your community just because it's living on Google now. Now, how do you keep it so that you're in Minnesota, but you get all these people from LA that are watching your product mm -hmm. you know, in New York and you really wanted it local? I mean, you want to you get the benefit from local SEO and, and you could see people traveling, so to speak, just to look at your videos, but they're not really benefiting you locally. Yeah. So again, if you owned, if I own my own clinic, which I don't, um, but if, if I own my own clinic, if I was going to do this again, I would focus on my first multiple videos targeting the exact SEO phrases that people in my community would be searching for. Optometrist in blank city, Ohio, best eye doctor in blank, contact lenses blank, and really target the location. Think in the mindset, if you're in a new city and you need to go somewhere to get dry eye services or contacts or vision or anything, what are they going to type into the search bar? Right. That's a good point. Make videos titled that exact same thing and make sure that video gets their attention right away. And then basically you can have like a full tour of your clinic. They watch it. They know what your clinic looks like. So they don't need to be anxious about what they're going to see or what they're going to go through. They already get to know you as a professional, so they know who you're gonna, they're going to be talking to. They're already establishing all these connecting points to make a buying decision. Okay. And so they're, they're more likely they're going to go see you rather than finding some other person's website and be like, I don't know who they are. I don't know what the clinic looks like. You know, a lot of times if you're video or even taking photos in your own clinic, a small room, you know, like an exam room, a typical, let's say, 12 by 9 exam room, it's hard to get everything in there because all of a sudden you're seeing a small part of that room. I mean, do you have to use a special lens at all to do that? You can use a wide, ultra wide angle fisheye lens if you really want to. That's how uh, your real estate agent takes photos yeah. of houses. You know, they yeah. get stuck in the corner with a wide angle lens and it just looks like it's 10 times bigger. I will say you need pictures on your Google My Business. You need video content that shows your practice. Like you said, Dr. Allen, if you're not showing your practice, people are going to be invited for a surprise. So if you tell people you have marble floors and sparkly clean bathrooms, you, you need to show that. You should be proud of it. Definitely. That's how people make decisions today. They're like, it looks nice, I'm going. It doesn't look nice, I'm not going. It could be the opposite. Also, when people walk in, I want, wow, 
But sometimes it's, wow, they got a marble floor. I'm out of here as soon as I can get out of here. Or it's, wow, wow, this is a place I could trust. I'm, I'm going to do everything here. So there's two types of wows. And you never know because a lot of people like a tile floor, but they want the tile floor like in Walmart. They want to be able to complain to a manager and get their money back two years later. We always worry about more about the people that don't like the way we do it or don't expect the way we do it instead of really paying a lot more attention to people that love the way we do it. So we're always worried somebody walked with their RX and they're going to go someplace and who's not going to make it right and make us look bad. So, you know, unfortunately, I think some people are looking for that. Obviously, some people, I myself, I love Starbucks in, in Minnesota. We have caribou coffee too, but not everybody likes Starbucks caribou coffee. I don't like country music, but there's a lot of people who love country music and same things. Not everyone's going to love your clinic. I think it's good that you pay attention to what people think and say and how your clinic gives off a different feeling. But if it's just not that vibe just doesn't jive with that person, don't worry about it. They're not the person for you. They can find a different clinic that's better or better for them. Maybe the Walmart down the street is the best place for them. So Dr. Allen, if people want to watch you or get in touch with you, where are the best places to do that? So if you guys obviously just want to watch the content, if people are listening to this and haven't seen the videos, of course, go to Dr. Eye Health on YouTube. I do have DrEyeHealth.com, which is more of a blog spot for most of my videos. It's just in the early phases. We're building it out right now. But you can also find me on Instagram at Dr. Eye Health, Facebook on Dr. Eye Health. And then if you have any questions, if you're thinking of getting into the YouTube game or into video for your clinic at all, you can reach out at hello at drihealth.com and we'll be happy to uh, set up a meeting, see what we can do to help you out. You are willing to do some consultation. Mm -hmm. I have been very lucky that many, not just optometrists, but other professionals in dentistry and a couple other healthcare professionals in other, like gastroenterology has reached out and asked about, hey, how are you doing this? Can you help us out? And so I've been very fortunate. Are you able to monetize that in some way? Or? Yeah. I mean, it's consulting services and I, I walk people through it. I usually do one to two hour sessions where I just walk people through, hey, this is what you need to do. And this is, Good. I walk people through the step. I basically hold their hand through the process of how I make videos and consistently do this, as well as share different strategy tips on how they could utilize videos in general. I will say it is nice having somebody guide you through initial steps. Um, I've helped friends launch podcasts before. And it's confusing. You can spend a whole month just learning how to launch a podcast, which hosting services to do, how do you hire a video editor. And sometimes you just need someone to say, hey, go here for an editor, go here for hosting. You need a logo. I recommend this designer. And that's nice. Yeah. You cut, cut out all that guesswork. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've spent not only the six months initially learning YouTube, but then I've spent the last three years kind of perfecting and getting a lot more experience doing this. So it's <laughs> it's been a crazy ride, but it's better to learn from someone else's mistakes. Right. Well, thanks so much, Dr. Allen here for joining us. You are what we call an entrepreneur. Yeah, he's a Thank wizard. <laughs> he's a wizard of lives. Yeah, you are an entrepreneur and, and you're young. So you've got a long history here up to come and you got, maybe you'll develop your own clinic now, you know, maybe make it like, video all along the walls, different videos playing. So with headphones and just Bluetooth, every one of two of them. So have a good day, everybody. Thank you guys so much. You guys have a good one. You too. 
This brings us to the end of another episode of Entrepreneur, the podcast for Wizards of Eyes. Go ahead and click over to our website, entrepreneur.com, or head over to Facebook to join our special Facebook group, Entrepreneur. See you there.